of Adam. And in Adam, we are dead. We are dead in more ways than we fully understand. We are born in Adam. We are conceived in Adam, I should say. We are conceived in Adam with the incapacity to hear the word of God. Brother David mentioned in his prayers, Lord, give us ears to hear. The question becomes, who has ears to hear? Who has the capacity to understand the things of God? Who actually fears God? Who actually desires to know God? Who actually desires to seek after God? Do do you all have that same feeling in your breast? That you want to know God better? That you want to seek Him with your whole heart? You know why that is? Because you have the gift of faith. Where did you get that gift from? Did you, did you muster it up in yourself? Did you get it from your father? Did you get it from your grandfather? Did it come down through the lineage of old Baptist or your, your, your missionary Baptist or your, your religious upbringing? No, it's a gift of God. Amen. It came from Almighty God. Why? Because he loves you specifically. Amen. He loves you particularly. He loves you with a love so much that he gave his son that he would die for you. That he would put away your sin. That you can stand before God confident of being made accepted in the beloved. Not by your faith. Not by your works. Not by what you understand. Not by the church you attend. But by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the beginning. What Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 3 verses 11 through 18. We'll read through this and we'll understand what we are by nature. It's really important to understand what we are. To to appreciate what we've become. It says, there is none that understandeth. I'll go back to verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that seeketh after God. Are you seeking after God? <clears throat> they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ a good thing? If that's a good thing... Something's changed in you. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is us and all mankind... Conceived in Adam by nature. Some people believe that we're born with this innate faith. That simply is not biblical truth. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Can an oak tree grow an apple? Can a dead tree grow an apple? Or a pear? Or a banana? Obviously the answer is no. You must first be made a living tree by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God being put in you so you can bear the fruit of faith. 
Faith is a gift of God so that you can know the things that are freely given to you. How do I know that? By the word of God. Not by the cell phone, but by the word of God. Because um, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 12, that we are given the spirit of God that we may know the things that are freely given to us. We're not given the spirit of God after we believe. We're given the spirit of God so that we can believe. There's a big difference between the two. The whole religious world believes. I mean, the whole religious world believes that we are given the spirit after we're born again. Or after we believe. The, the, the simplicity of the truth is God has given us the spirit in, our, in us that we can know the things that are freely given to us. They're not conditional. They're freely. We have eternal life in Christ, whether we fully understand it or not. There are some sitting here this morning who may still feel like, have I done enough to make God not angry with me? Have I done enough to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? Believe it or not, the scriptures actually teach, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. If you have a desire to believe that that is true, it's because you have the gift of faith. You're, you're, you're heaven bound. You're predestined for heaven. Who did that? God did. When? Before the foundation of the world. How do I know it? From the word of God. So there's a very curious story that in the scriptures that many people don't fully understand. And I lean on this because there's a little tiny word in this story um, that I think is really important to focus on, pray about, and meditate on to get a greater understanding how broad and how wide and how unlimited the love of God is for his people throughout all time, in all ages, in all nations. And that's, in, that's found in Acts chapter 10. And I want to read about a story about Cornelius. Some of you have already heard this story many, many times. But to me, it's a very important story because it illustrates a man who was not a Jew. He wasn't a member of the New Testament church. Um, but he was a man who feared God. Now, we've just learned that that is not natural. So what can you already deduct from about this Gentile man who had not heard the gospel? He had not heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, yet he feared God. How is that possible? This man was already born of the Spirit. He was already accepted in the beloved. He was ignorant of what Christ had done for him. The whole religious world teaches that you must first put your faith in Christ, which is a, a wonderful thing. It's a great experience to trust finally in Christ for your eternal salvation. Because no matter what happens to you, you know you're in the secure hand of a loving God. That's why that doctrine is so important. But this man had not heard these things yet. He was ignorant of these things, yet he feared God. What does that tell you? He had the Spirit of God within him. He was already born of the Spirit. Matter of fact, so much God loved him so much that God sent an apostle, Peter, to go preach to him specifically to tell him the truth. Why? Because he wanted Cornelius to understand these things. And he wanted to demonstrate to Peter, because Peter had an idea in his head that only Jews were the special people of God. But all the elect of God, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, are spirits of Jews. It's not by your nationality, but it's by your spiritual birth that makes you in Christ. So Peter is sent to this Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius gathers all his friends and family. He has a room full. God sent Peter to Cornelius. 
And Peter did not want to go. Peter said, um, God, I let down this sheep held by the four corners and all matter of four-footed beasts were running across it. And, and, and the Spirit of God told Peter, rise and eat, Peter. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. And the Lord rebuked him. Think about the tenses of the words of what, what, what uh, the Spirit of God is teaching Peter. What I have cleansed, call not thou unclean. What I have cleansed. What is the Lord teaching Peter? These Gentiles that you're going to preach to are already cleansed. The gospel doesn't cleanse anyone. Matter of fact, the word of God is not for the entire world. The word of God is only for God's people. Paul told Timothy to study the um, the word of God for it is able to make the wise unto salvation. But it's a wise about salvation that is that is meant for the edifying of the body of Christ. Right. That's what the purpose of the word of God is for. It's to teach us what God has given us. Right. So you got this man, Cornelius, who gathers his whole family. He's sitting there waiting anxiously, excited because the spirit of God came to Cornelius as well. Right. Told me he was going to send send to send to Joppa for a man uh, where I will show thee. And he brought him back to to to, to Cornelius. And while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Oh, that's the point they were born again. Do you believe that? Cornelius was already fearing God by the testimony of Scripture. What God was doing, but the same thing he did in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God descended upon the apostles who were gathered in the upper room, or Acts chapter 1, what that was doing was identifying God's people to everyone else around these are my special people. Were the cloven tongues of fire were upon their heads? The same exact thing would be happening to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. So Peter was amazed he hadn't finished preaching yet. And so God was identifying to Peter and those that came with Peter that he was, these people were God's people, God's children. Cornelius feared God. He did good works. He did wonderful things in, in the name of God, what he understood. But he didn't understand about Christ yet. And I want to get down to verse 35. And then I'll close. This is some things for you to think about. <clears throat> I think I've already gone too far, too long already. Um, in verse 34, Peter says this. After he's gone through this process, he preached to them. Um, halfway through his message, the Spirit of God falls on them. They all began speaking in tongues. They were um, desired to be baptized. And Peter learned something. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That does not mean that God is um, incapable of withholding salvation from every man, child, woman, and child. That's not what that text is talking about. This is, he's not a respecter of persons between Jew and Gentile. Right? Because it was, it was Jewish teaching that God had set apart the Jews only. Right? And not the Jews and Gentiles. Right? So Peter learned a lesson here, that God is not a respecter of persons, that both Jew and Gentile, among the Jew and Gentile, as a matter of fact, Revelation 5, 9 says, God has chosen us out of, renamed us out of, every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. So it says, in verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him, this is the present tense statement that Peter's making at this time. The gospel had not left Jerusalem yet. Think about that. Meditate on that. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness will be 
Maybe or is. God has got a regenerate, elect people in every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, and family right now. What do we do with that formation? God bless us. Psalm 146, a great psalm, not real long, but it's an excellent psalm that uh, starts out instructing us to praise the Lord. In fact, one of the titles of this song is like the song that we just sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. The psalm ends in praising God. So there's a lot of emphasis that's given to us about praising God, starting out with praising God, ending with praising God. And then he tells us why to praise God. And this is really a great lesson for us in Psalm 146. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, O my soul. While I live, David says, while I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. David is reminding us, and then he talks about, following in the next verses, he talks about the deliverances that we have specifically in God and no other. And he specifically highlights uh, six deliverances that he, that he brings to our attention here in just a minute. He says, put not your trust in princes or in the son of man with whom there is no help. He reminds us in the beginning that we are to praise God and we're not to praise man. And we need to be reminded of that in the day in which we live. In fact, Psalm 62 says it this way. My soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. He is my rock. He's my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. In glory, in God, my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. So the psalmist is reminding us here that our strength, our defense, our fortress, our salvation is in God. And then he says, trust in him at all times. That even means... In the day in which we're living right now, 2022, we're to trust in the Lord. Many would have us to trust in others or other things. And we see that when we trust in other things or other people, other individuals, whether whether they're leaders or not, when we trust in others, we realize that ultimately we become discouraged and disheartened. But we'll never become that way when we trust in the Lord. He says, trust in the Lord at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So where are we getting our information about how that we are to handle this life in which we're in right now. 
I, I have, uh, I'm blessed to have uh, the same accountant that, that, uh, that I've had for 40 years. I asked him the other day. Now his son is helping me. The accountant is now 75 and his son is, is uh, in his 40s. And now his son is helping me. I enjoy talking to his son. Oftentimes we'll take off on a spiritual conversation. He's a good Christian man. And I enjoy that. But I did ask the dad the last time I saw him. He's still in Lubbock, Texas. And I still communicate with him. Now it's a whole lot easier. I said, do you have anybody uh, among your clients that have been with you longer than I have. And he said, no, they're all dead. Well, that wasn't really encouraging, but, but I enjoy the conversations with him. And he said the other day, he said, it doesn't matter what news station you list, listen to. He said, they're all wrong. He said, you're not going to find one that's going to give you 100% accurate information all the time. And every single one of them, no matter what your favorite news station is, is going to have a slant to it. But he said, you can always go to the Word of God and it'll be 100% accurate. You can always talk to God's people and get counsel. And to the best of their ability, they're going to give you godly counsel. And he said, I encourage my friends... Not to seek counsel from a news program, but to seek it from the word of God. Well, here's what the psalmist says. He said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Then he says, I mean, people have been. People have been so tossed about in the last two years, especially they have. There's so many different views and so many different plans and so many different schemes and so many different uh, formats. And and at the at the bottom of a lot of it is uh, a motivation of fear. And oftentimes that is the result in many, many cases. Well, how is it that that we're not just going to be swallowed up in fear. I mean, we're living in this day and time, and I I tend to believe that God has each one of us here right now for a purpose. God could have had you to be born in the uh, late 1800s or, or, or at any point in time, he could have had you to be born. But God had you here right now, has you here right now for a purpose. Well, how is it that we're going to live this life and not just be totally uh, oppressed all the time with what's going on around us? One of the ways is that we don't dwell on what's going on around us and we look at things above and we look to the Lord. That we remember that, yes, it may look like everything's falling apart around us, but we still have the same God. He's still in charge. He's still in control. He still has this world in his hand. And it's not a surprise to God about what's going on. And by the way, God not only writes the first chapter, but God writes the last chapter as well. So there may be folks that that think they're really making strong headway in some areas. But I tell you what, the last chapter may not have been written yet. And God is the one that writes that. So you can be reminded right here that you trust in the Lord in the good times. 
You trust in God when he's blessing you with a family, when he's blessing you with little children, when things are going well. And when you can come to the house of the Lord and you can worship him in peace, you trust God. But you also trust God in the difficult times as well. You you lean on God. You beg God. You pray to God to give you strength and to hold you up. He says you trust in the Lord at all times. Good times, bad times. Early in your life. Later in your life. He says and then. This is real good. He says. You just pour out your heart to him. Just pour out your heart to him. He knows the. The burdens, the weight that you carry, that you bear. He said, you just pour it out to him. You give it to the Lord. He said, you pour your heart out before him. You ever heard someone say, well, they just opened their heart up to me. Well, you're encouraged right here to open it up to the Lord. Lord delights in you pouring your heart out to him. He already knows what's in it. Says God is a refuge for us. And then he says, as as we've been reminded in Psalm 146, he said, surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in in a balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. I mean, that's just that's just weighing them all up together. Often we have leaders that. A little bit of power, a little bit of fame goes to their head. And they oftentimes think that they're really something or somebody. I'm reminded of Nebuchadnezzar. And anytime I see someone that develops that attitude that Nebuchadnezzar had, It reminds me that they better be careful. Nebuchadnezzar was walking out amongst this great kingdom that he had. And he said, look at all the things that I've accomplished and that I have. Look at what I, I, I have done. The psalmist says, you don't trust in men. While Nebuchadnezzar was going around talking about all the great things that he had done. When Nebuchadnezzar, in essence, should have been going around saying, look at how God's blessed. Look at how God has poured out his mercy upon us. And it's only by the hand and mercy of an almighty God that we have these things. It says that all that was taken away from Nebuchadnezzar and even his his mind was taken away. Even his his uh, thinking was taken away. He didn't have a, a sane mind. When I see folks that claim that power and strength, I'm reminded of Nebuchadnezzar. David is saying, you don't trust in anybody. The leaders, David's saying, you don't even trust in me. We're all frail men, as Brother Cook has brought out right here, and we're related to our forefather Adam. And he said, there's not a man in the world that you put your stock and your trust into. You put it in to the Lord. He says, uh, 
it, it, it goes on down. Great, great uh, chapter 62 is outstanding. I want to finish with, with Psalm 146. It's really, really, really good right here. He says, don't put your trust in princesses nor in the son of man with whom there is no help. He says, don't you put it in the frailty of man. And then he describes just how frail that man is. He says, his breath goeth forth and he returneth to the earth. In, the very, in that very day, his thoughts perish. And basically what he's saying right here is he says that, that the lifespan of, of a man, of a frail mortal man, has an end to it. And if you remember, when we are given life, God breathes into us the breath of life. But what he's talking about right here is when we breathe out that last breath... It's over as far as our influence is concerned. It's over as far as our dreams are concerned. It's over as far as our wealth is concerned. It's over as far as all the things that, that we have put a lot of stock into. And he says, so don't you trust in frail, feeble man. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. He says, his breath goeth forth and it returneth to the earth. And in that very day. His thoughts perish. Well, all that seems sobering, not super encouraging, that we can't find someone that we can really lean on and trust in. And if that was the end of the chapter, it'd be a little bit discouraging. But that's not the end. He says, happy. I like how he redirects our thinking. He says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his health, whose hope is in the Lord our God. You want to be happy? Do you know what? There's not anything wrong with being happy. Lord wants you to be happy, but he wants you to be happy in him. He does. He says, happy is he that hath God of Jacob for his health. He says, you put your trust and your hope and your strength in the Lord the result is, I believe, that you'll be happy. He says, happy is he who's God of Jacob for his help, who has the God of Jacob for his help. Then he says, by the way, the God of Jacob, he made the heavens. He made the earth. He made the sea. And he made all that is therein, which keepeth truth forever. He said, first of all, you can you can put your trust in the Lord. So I don't know if you are uptight. I don't know if you're fearful. I don't know if you're overwhelmed. I don't know if you're discouraged. But if you are, this is the solution for every bit of it. It is. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have a difficult day. But when you have a difficult day, you can lean on the Lord. When you have a difficult day, you can say, Lord, what would you have me to learn out of this? And Lord, I need your strength for today. Has anyone here ever had a, a difficult situation that you just felt so weary and you knew that you needed the strength from the Lord to even put one foot in front of another? Some of you that have know exactly what I'm talking about. God can give you that strength. Maybe you were caring for somebody that was in a very, very frail, declined Condition. Maybe you were struggling with a child that was very, very wayward, that you didn't know the welfare of that individual. 
You put your trust in the Lord. It's amazing how God can work on both ends at the same time. It is. So here's what he said. Here's the six things. I just touch on them real quick right here. He says, happy is the man, is the, is the one that, that um, has the God of Jacob for his health. Help. He says, he executeth judgment for the oppressed. We see a lot of people around that are experiencing oppression. God is the ultimate judge. And God executes judgment upon the oppressor. He does. Not anything going on that God is surprised about. God can intervene. God can change it when God chooses to do that. But he says that he executes judgment upon for the, for the oppressed. He also giveth food to the hungry. You know, we, we sometimes get in the mindset that, that uh, our food is provided from uh, the grocery store, from Wagmans or Giant or someplace like that. We fail to remember that it, uh, for me, it's, it's Wawa. I can go there and get everything I need for the whole week at Wawa, and I'm pretty well set uh, for that. But, but we fail to remember that it's actually God that provides even the very food that we eat. I think when our, when our forefathers lived on the farm and grew their vegetables and, and they dealt with droughts and and uh, blizzards and all the things that would hinder being able to grow the crops. I think they probably were reminded more and more to realize that even the very food that we eat is a blessing from God. Remember a story here about uh, having a drought in this area one time. And so after a number of days, the, 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 the congregation came together and Elder Thompson said, uh, we're going to, we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to pray that God would intervene and God would bless with the rain. And it said that when Elder Thompson came to church, he was the pastor here for almost 50 years. When Elder Thompson came to church that day to pray for rain, he brought his raincoat and his umbrella. Now that's praying and believing. It really is. It's the Lord that blesses and feeds us with our food. We need to be reminded of that. The Lord looseneth the prisoners. Now, I believe that that's talking about or can be talking about in one respect. It can be talking about when we realize our the uh, the weight of sin upon ourselves and upon our lives. And we desire to be freed from that thinking and that mentality that God himself is the one that can come. And he can open the prison doors and he can loose the the prison doors and he can set the prisoner free. The Lord looseneth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. I have enjoyed immensely 
I mean, I enjoy all the messages Brother Bradley preaches, but especially the last two messages that he's preached about God's amazing grace. I hope you get to hear it. If you haven't, today was a continuation of God's amazing grace. And today he cited in that message, the hymn writer, John Newton, where he says, I once was blind, but now I see. And it's wonderful that God as Brother Cook brought out, it's not the faith, it's not the belief, it's not the sight, it's not the understanding that gives us life, but it's because you have life, but God blesses you to have those shackles removed, the scales removed from your eyes, and He blesses you to be able to see the glorious things of Almighty God. So if the song Amazing Grace, I tell you when the message was over, and, and it was a wonderful message about God's amazing grace, and then all of a sudden the singer started singing amazing grace i got chill bumps i just it just meant so much to me well if it if that story or that message means anything to you it's because god has touched you and put his spirit within your heart you trust in him at all times he says that he opens the eyes of the blind the lord raiseth them that are bowed down. We're about to start going back once a month to New York and having services. And the place that we have it is a Christian boarding home. It's called Hepzibah House. A wonderful place. They've been there, a place for Christians to stay in. And that's where we actually meet. We stay in different bedrooms. There's five floors there in this old town home that's been restored and beautiful rural home that's been restored. And we we enjoy it very much. And we stay in different rooms. And and it's like I've told folks, it's 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 real. It's real old timey. It's not like staying at grandma's house. It's like staying at great grandma's house. I mean, it's just real, real stepping back in time. But on one of the walls, it has a picture of uh, some of the skyscrapers of New York City on one street. And it has a picture of all these people. And this picture was probably painted back in the 50s or 60s. You could tell from the design of the old cars and things like that. And every single person was walking, stooped over like this, looking at the sidewalk as they were walking along. You could just see the weight of the world upon their shoulders. And the message that was proclaimed was lift up your eyes to Christ. And that's the inscription underneath it. If we think that the folks back in the 50s and 60s were weighted down, can you imagine the weights that people are carrying today? Every single person that you talk to, they're weighted down with the burdens of life. With the cares of this world. I used to be 6'1". Last time I checked, it was about 5'11". And I'm just kind of going down that way. And I don't know if it's the weight of the world on me that's causing it or what it is. But, but, but that happens. He says right here, I like this. He says he, he is able to raise up those that are bowed down. In in the day in which we live, 
You don't have to look far to, to talk to somebody, to meet somebody. And when you, when you get to know them and you know their experience, you see that they have the weight of the world upon them. And he says right here, those that are walking around bowed down, he has the power to lift them up. What a great blessing that is. What an encouraging message to know that the Lord can lift us up and hold us up. He says, the Lord raises up those that are bowed down and that the Lord loveth the righteous, not the self-righteous, but those that have been made righteous in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then verse nine says, the Lord preserveth the strangers. We realize we're strangers and pilgrims here upon this earth. This earth is not our home. And yet God preserves us. He takes care of us. He watches out for us. He's there for us. He relieveth the fatherless and the widows. If you want to know what pure religion is, James tells us right here in the last part of chapter one, that it's pure religion to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You ever wonder about what you ought to be doing in life? If you're visiting the fatherless, and you're visiting the widows and their affliction. That comes directly from God's word. And God sees exactly what you're doing. And God will bless you in doing that. I remember when we used to go to the nursing homes. Citizens at Haverty Grace. The one in Bel Air nursing home on McPhail Road. And, and several others that we went to. And we would go in as a, as a church family, as a group, and we'd sing hymns for those folks. And they loved, if you remember, they loved seeing the little children. It was such a blessing. It, you'd think that they hadn't seen, and maybe they hadn't seen little children in such a long time. And, and the little children, the little, very small children, had a special ministry just of themselves going up and ministering to those poor old people. And I remember that we went time after time after time to encourage those folks. And do you know that every single one of us, when we left, I think we were more encouraged than they were. That's because you're doing what God tells you to do right here. You visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. He says, the Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widow. But, but the way of the wicked... And there are some wicked folks. The way of the wicked. A lot of times the wicked think they have the only way or the best way. And in their mind, it might be the only way. It might be the best way. But they haven't maybe factored in God. And here it says the way of the wicked that he turneth it upside down. I mean, that's the end result of the wicked. If, if, if they're going to pursue the wickedness, if they're going to oppress the, the, the if they're going to oppress the way of the wicked, he turneth it upside down. I can't do it. You can't do it. But God can do it. And so we just need to look to the Lord. Verse 10. We'll wrap it up. The Lord shall reign forever. David says to these folks that have been oppressed, these folks that have been beaten down, these folks that have maybe lost their sight and their vision. He says, 
you trust in the Lord and you trust in him at all times. And he says, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Even thy God, O Zion, he says he's going to reign forever. He's going to reign, he says, uh, unto all generations. I think that's really good. You brought your children here today and I'm so glad you have. And what a blessing. And I pray that I pray that God is going to bless and raise up among these children. Uh, faithful members in the church, maybe some preachers in the church. He says God is going to reign. You know, I, I've heard it said, well, uh, you know, we miss the good old days. Well, it says right here that we can claim God today just as much as our grandparents did and our great grandparents did. And I know I've gone through seasons where I've thought having young children right now most difficult and probably troubling time because of all the challenges that are going on around. But this verse tells us right here that God reigns today and he's even going to reign in their generation. He says he reigned in your grandparents' generation. He's reigning in your generation and he's going to reign in their generation as well. And so you can be encouraged to know that he reigns in all generations. And he says, by the way, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you.